Now on to the, uh, the sermon. We are uh, in the ninth week, I said, of this series entitled uh, the, Living the New Commandment. And if you don't know what the New Commandment is by now, either one, you haven't been here, or two, you haven't been listening. It is to love your neighbor as yourself. To love one another as I have loved you, so too love one another. That's it. Love one another. It seems so easy. Here's the new commandment. Love each other. Get along. Support one another. Encourage one another. Lift one another up. And yet, so often we fail to live that new commandment. Just plain and simple, love one another. Let me ask you a question. Why are you here? And I don't mean in the city slicker sense that one thing, why are you here? I mean, like, why are you here? Why are you in the CLC? Why do you come to worship on a Sunday morning? You know, because, because that's what you're supposed to do. There's a book that's written um, by some people who did great research about uh, non-church people, unchristian or non-church people. And, and one of the things that they came up with these 10 different surprises, they, they interviewed people all over the United States and Canada and came up with some commonalities. And one of the commonalities was that people who don't attend church feel guilty about it. Oh, that, that doesn't seem right. Feel guilty for not coming here? I mean, my mother is a, an artist. It's a form of guilt. She is one of those, I don't know if you have moms like this, that they have, they're like, she's professional level. You know, you have amateurs in guilt and she's professional level. Really, she could be, you know, in the Hall of Fame of this. And yes, my mother does receive these uh, sermons and we'll be hearing from this and I'll be hearing from her in a couple of weeks. Um, Do you really think that about me? And I'm like, call your brother, call your son and your other son and daughter. But guilt isn't something that you want to, you know, live by. Guilt isn't something that makes you feel edified or makes you feel good about doing something because you're doing it because you, you feel guilty about it. So why are you here? Let me tell you, one positive thing about it is, is if you are here on a regular basis, you're going to live longer. You're going to be happier. You're going to be healthier. not going to have depression. If you're married, you come. You get, your relationship's going to be stronger. Sounds like a used car salesman, doesn't it? If you come every Sunday for the next four weeks, I can guarantee you. But you know what? There's actually scientific evidence behind this that supports this. There's a study that came out in the year 2000, and it said people that go to church on a regular basis live 29% longer than others. People that don't. In other words, don't go to the gym, go to church. My father-in-law, the doctor's like, no, that's not true. When I heard that information, I was like, awesome. I'm going to stop going to that stinking place. I hate it. Should I keep coming to church? I'll live longer. Be happier. It said people that come to church have lower blood pressure than people that don't. A study that came out of Duke University said that married couples who attend church together on a regular basis have stronger, happier relationships. You come to church with your spouse on a regular basis, you will be happier and stronger in your relationship. It also said that people who come to church on a regular basis have a less likelihood of suffering from depression. Why don't you come to church is the question. Why aren't you here all the time? Why don't we go out and tell people you will live longer and happier if you come to church? Well, even if that is medically true, it isn't necessarily the only reason. If you've got your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter 10. 
Hebrews chapter 10. Now, Paul is writing here to uh, the people of Rome, to some house churches in Rome at this, at this point, and, and there's some trouble going on. Not all is right in these house churches, and there's some little bit of turmoil going on. So Paul is writing to him in, in chapter 10, I'm at verse 23. He says, Without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope we say we have. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Think of ways to encourage one another, to outbursts of love and good deeds. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near. Let us not neglect our coming together. Let us not neglect coming together as the body of Christ and worshiping God and celebrating God's presence and encouraging one another. Paul says, look, you live in a tough world. You live in a tough society. So don't do it alone. Come together. See, that was a big point of coming together. It was for building one another up, for encouraging one another, as Paul says, to outbursts of love, to good deeds, coming together and worshiping God and standing firm in the foundation of Christ. There is a, an old evangelist, Moody, that tells a story of he was, he was talking about this with, a, with another man, about this very thing coming together and, and worshiping God together and coming together as a group. And, and what he did is they were sitting around this fire with a bunch of coals. And he just simply took some tongs out. He, he grabbed one of the coals. He moved it away from the others and set it aside. And he didn't really say anything about it. He just kept going on. And eventually what happened to that coal? It died. Fire went out. Anybody that's a barbecue guy knows. You put coals together, you get a good fire. You have them separated, not a good fire. When you take a coal away from that fire, it loses its strength. It loses the body around it. And it begins to fade out and die. And so he tells this beautiful story of that. That's just, I love that analogy. I love that picture because it's so true. When you're out on your own and you're in the world and you're facing all the challenges of the world and all the things that are going on, and you don't have that fire around you, you can just be erased. You can just start to slowly fade away. And before you even know it, you don't even know what's going on. It just seems like you're getting further and further away from God. And maybe even you're starting to feel a little bit of depression. You're not as happy as you used to be. And you're not as healthy as you used to be. But when you break away from the body, you begin to break away. I mean, think about that. How simple and how easy is it to come to church? To meet together as a body of Christ. And yet, listen, this this sermon isn't uh, meant to be a guilty sermon to get you here on a regular basis. It's not meant to say, you know, come more often, come because it makes me feel better when you're here. I like to see more people in chairs. And, you know, quite honestly, the conference office really wants us to have more people in chairs and they care about that kind of thing. But if you know anything about David or myself, We really don't care too much about what the conference office thinks. And yes, they might hear this as well. And Bishop Dorf, I'm just kidding. I really love your guidance and experience and I value your opinions. But honestly, my my thought process in this, and I know David's thought process in this, isn't to get people as a, excuse the terminology, but this goes around seminaries and all kinds, butts and pews. It's not about that. 
It's about building a strong body of Christ so that we can go into the world and change the world. Because if just one of us goes out there and carries this flag of Christ and tries to take the message of Jesus into the world, you're going to be beat down. And you're going to flame out. And you're not going to come back. But our job, as Jesus Christ told us, is to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. So our job is to go into the world and share the love of Christ with all we come in contact with. But if I'm not coming in and getting strengthened, if I'm not coming in and being encouraged and encouraging others, when I go out there, I'm just going to falter and fade. On Thursday, I went with a friend of mine down to the coast. And our intention was to fish a little and to duck hunt a little. And so we go down there, and on, uh, it was on Thursday, and a, and a storm was coming in off the Gulf. And it was blowing hard, and it was raining. And, um, and we had to make this decision, do we go or do we not? And we went in, and we looked at the radar screen, and there was like this window like that big. And he's like, let's go. And so we get in the boat, and we take off, and it's a two-hour boat ride to this guy's cabin in the land cut. So it's a long boat ride. And it rained on us, and it blew the entire time. We crossed Baffin Bay, and the winds were like 15 to 20 miles an hour, and the boat was going, boom, bam. And if you've ever been on one of those fishing boats, there's not really big sides to it. I was getting a little nervous, and I was wearing, um, uh, you know, clothes that wouldn't dry easily, and I was just soaked. And my beard, which while it makes me look skinny and wonderful, um, it holds on to stuff. So I was just, you know, I was just crusted in salt. You know, all throughout, I looked, it was a pretty picture. Um, and so we get there. We finally get there, and the sun parts. I'm like, okay, great. It's going to be a great trip. We're excited about it. We get up Friday morning. I don't know if you know anything about duck hunting, but duck hunting, when it's like that weather, cold and miserable and horrible, great hunting. Beautiful day, not so good. So we get up Friday morning, beautiful day. I mean, it's a day you want to be alive. You wake up that you're like, yes, thank you, God, for that beautiful sunrise. So we set out the decoys. We sit down. Not a bird anywhere. The only birds that came into our decoys were seagulls. You know, just these seagulls just like circling. I'm like, go away. I, you know, <laughs> I see you all the time. I don't want you. Nothing. And so I'm sitting there, you know, by myself. I got my little station set up. And, and I've said this many times. I feel most connected to God when I'm outside. And I just feel rejuvenated by God's spirit and God's power and stuff. And so I sat there and I went, okay, God, speak to me. Yeah, that's about what I heard. And I'm like, God, hey, got nothing going on here. Talk to me. I'm here. I'm ready. My ears are open. My heart's open. My soul's open. Blow me away. I thought about it later, and I told Jenna, I said, you know, I know God was looking down at me going, seriously? Seriously. You want me to talk to you? You're giving me 10 minutes? God, I've been pretty busy. I've been going pretty hard. I've been doing all these different things. And so now I have time for you. I was like, <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, think about it. I mean, I need to be constantly pursuing God's voice and constantly aware of God's presence and constantly take those moments. My life should be about listening for God. But I get lost in those things. And so when those moments, those opportunities come where I really, truly can just be enveloped in God's spirit, God's like, well, you're not spending time with me. Why do I want to spend time with you right now? You're reading the Bible, sure. You're praying, sure. But you're not spending time with me. 
got to work at it, man. I got to be invested in my relationship with God. And then so I ask this, if you come to church once every six months and then you go out into the world, you're like, I don't understand why I'm always getting beat down. Well, I'm not happy. Well, I'm not doing this. Spend time with God. Come together as the body of Christ and get built up, get strengthened by other believers. You know what? We all go through tough times at times. So you come in here and go, I've been down that road. Let me support you through it. I'm here for you. Let me walk with you right now. My wife on uh, Thursday, I think it was, or Friday, I don't know, whichever day it was, went over to Starbucks because she was taking uh, some coffee to a, to a friend. I know she went to Starbucks to the foundry. We had to talk about that, but it was closer. So she goes to Starbucks and she has both kids with her because I was gone. So both kids, and I, don't, I mean, you know, my kids are a handful, especially one of them, but I love them. And so she goes in and she gets the coffee and she's like, I cannot take both kids out with both cups of coffee. So there was a church member who was there. And Jenna doesn't really, didn't really know her, but she recognized her. said, I know I've seen you before, and I know you're from our church. And she walked up to you, and she said uh, something about it. I'm, she's sitting over here, and, and I think uh, you said that I knew that was Michael's son the moment I saw him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. That's definitely me. You can see his ears. And, and so she goes, well, sure, I'll watch the So she watched the kids. It was, it was nothing. But she took time to, to watch the kids while Jenna went and put the cups of coffee in the car and then came back and got the children. She was there to support her. She was there to encourage her at that moment. You know, if we don't come together as a body, we can't do it on our own. That's what Paul was saying. For them, it was life or death. You believe in Jesus Christ, you profess Jesus Christ in that kind of world, in that kind of society, you could be murdered. You could be killed. You could be thrown into prison and executed. It was life or death. For us, it's not necessarily life or death for us, but it might be for someone else. If I keep Christ to myself, if I keep the message of God deep inside me, and I don't go into the world and share his message, I could be costing someone their life. Not, not that I'm going to go out there and go, hi, my name's Michael, do you know Jesus? And they're going to go, no, tell me about him. Oh my gosh, I'm saved right now. Not that that's going to happen. But if I live my life like there's something bigger out there, If I live my life in such a way that someone looks at me and goes, why are you always this way? What's going on in your life? What's different about you? And I I can plainly say it's God. Anything good about my life is God. Plain and simple. If you see anything good about me, it's because God has granted that. And if I can get that message out just by the way I live my life, then somebody might think about God and might come a little closer to God and might one day because of one of you give their life to Christ. But if we don't come together as a body and encourage one another and support one another, encourage one another to outbursts of love, to good deeds. If we go out into the world on our own, we're just going to be like that coal. We're going to lose our fire and we're going to drift away. It's about strengthening the body. Coming together to worship is about strengthening the body. The body needs training. I just told you you don't need to go to the gym. But you need to train. If you're going to run in the rock and roll marathon, like some of you may have some friends that are doing right now, and they're wishing they were here instead of there, you need to train. You've got to train the body. You've got to train the body of Christ to build one another up, to support one another up. Paul talks about it being a race. This is an important race. 
my, my encouragement to all of us is to take this seriously. Is to take it seriously to come to worship and to support one another. And don't just come to worship and sit down and, and go through the motions and then walk out and never say a word to anybody. I mean, I know some of you do that. And that's all right for a time. But you need to begin to open up to the body. You need to begin. That's why we always do that passing of the peace thing. You know, we didn't used to do that in here. We used to do it every so often. But we do it every Sunday now. Because we want you to know one another. We, we want you to have those experiences when you're at Starbucks and you need somebody's help. You see a friendly face. You're like, I know that woman. Don't know her, but I know her. So when you're in the world and the world's beating down on you, you don't lose the fire. We have an important message to share with the rest of the world. So let's band together and do it. Now let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the love of Christ that you so freely offer us. For the love of a Savior who is willing to give his life for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you have set up this church, this body of Christ, so that we can come together as brothers and sisters under one God and worship you and give thanks to you and support one another. Lord, we thank you for that. God, help us to find that discipline to spend time with you, not just not just on the morning moments, but in times like this where we come together as a body and worship you. Help us to find the importance of the body and help us to encourage one another. God, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.